This is Radio Health Journal. I'm Nancy Benson. This week, why your grandparents' preference for junk food may make a difference in whether you get heart disease. It's a kind of biological memory that's etched on reproductive cells. How our parents' and grandparents' lifestyles are etched on our very being when Radio Health Journal returns. I'm Reed Pence, the producer and host of Radio Health Journal. If you like listening to Radio Health Journal, you'll also like our sister show, Viewpoints, which covers a wide array of topics, from education to history to the environment. Here's a preview of what they're covering this week on Viewpoints. There are moments in my life where I am afraid and I am looking in my rearview mirror constantly. The fight for racial justice in the midst of a pandemic. Then... In about four or five days, we unplanned and replanned a little intimate wedding. Getting hitched in the midst of COVID. I'm Marty Peterson. And I'm Gary Price. These stories in depth this week on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints. Listen to Radio Health Journal and Viewpoints on your favorite radio station and subscribe and listen anytime on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Radio Health Journal. The old saying goes, you are what you eat, and a lot of people take that to heart, following a healthy diet and exercising too. But scientists have found that the importance of diet starts a lot sooner than we think. With the lives our parents and grandparents led when their reproductive cells, the cells that made us, were formed. What happens is that when reproductive cells are forming, and that would be in the situation of young boys at puberty because that's when their sperm cells are forming. With women, their eggs are forming while they are still a fetus. So it's while they are in the womb. So environmental impacts, if you think about the mother being pregnant, What happens to her during pregnancy, the food that she eats, the air that she breathes, whether she's exposed to toxins, really influences, has an impact on the quality of the eggs that are forming in a female fetus. That's Judith Finlayson, author of You Are What Your Grandparents Ate, What You Need to Know About Nutrition, Experience, Epigenetics, and the Origins of Chronic Disease. Those impacts register on the body as something known as epigenetic modifications. Really, the easiest way to understand it is that it's a kind of biological memory that's etched on reproductive cells. A similar thing happens to boys' sperm cells while they're forming. Another way is through a female's experience while she is pregnant. Finlayson says some of the earliest studies on epigenetics came from wartime records, when inconceivably harsh conditions were imposed on entire nations. One was called the Dutch Hunger Winter of 1944. That was a period in the Second World War when the Germans closed off northern Holland and the people, including all the women who were pregnant, were starved. If you've read about it, you've read things like people were so hungry they were eating tulip bulbs. It was a terrible time, but in terms of a research project, it was wonderful because it was a very fixed time, 
and the Dutch kept very detailed records of what went on with the pregnancy of women, and they track people throughout their health system. So they were able to really document that babies whose mothers were pregnant during this period were twice as likely to suffer from heart disease and more likely to suffer from type 2 diabetes and to be obese. It's easy to imagine that starvation during pregnancy could lead to babies who grow up with health issues. But are grandparents really connected too? Finlayson says Swedish scientist Lars Bergen was first to discover that the answer is yes. When boys ate too much around the time of puberty, their grandsons were predisposed to dying young, significantly younger than normal. And he then went back later and looked at women, and he found that with women, the granddaughters of women who did not have enough to eat, who were malnourished during pregnancy, were far more likely to die young. This kind of knowledge has relevance on all kinds of levels. The United States, for example, has whole segments of society that are living rough lives with poverty, extreme stress, and poor nutrition that could doom the next generations to a vicious cycle of poor health. Groups that have been socially and economically disadvantaged for generations, what you're going to see is that these hardscrabble lives takes its toll on women's bodies and their ability to bear healthy children. So you are very likely to see, if you look at these populations, that they have higher rates of infant mortality, higher rates of maternal mortality, and higher rates of a phenomenon known as low birth weight babies. Dr. David Barker was the epidemiologist to link low birth weight babies are a baby born with low birth weight and the likelihood that that baby was at a much greater risk for chronic diseases like hypertension, obesity, type 2 diabetes, and heart disease. So this is the long cycle of poverty and the links with chronic disease. However, those on the more affluent end of American life aren't off the hook either. What we're seeing is the long-term effects of a phenomenon that's described as high-calorie malnutrition. We know that many people in the U.S. suffer from high-quality malnutrition because they eat too much overly processed foods. And processed foods are a key component of what's known as the standard American diet. These foods are high in calories and low in nutrients. Three generations of Americans have been raised on the standard American diet, which really started, its seeds were sown in the 1950s, and its multi-generational effects are becoming clear. We're seeing the long-term effects of those eating patterns and runaway rates of chronic illness. People talk now about obesity, type 2 diabetes, and heart disease using the word epidemic. However, the legacy of your parents and grandparents isn't set in stone. They may push you in the direction of either good or bad health, but how you live your own life still has a big effect. The sedentary lifestyle is much more 
prone to developing disease than the one who has the active lifestyle. Things like exercise, like good nutrition, and also stress management programs like mindfulness meditation, yoga, tai chi, have been shown to positively affect gene expression in ways that can help to balance some of this negative programming. So you're more vulnerable because of what's happened, but you can also take steps to remedy your inheritance through a healthy lifestyle. That means making the most of the hand we're dealt with a hope we can make it a little better for those who come after us. Our studio producer is Jason Dickey. I'm Nancy Benson. Radio Health Journal returns in just a moment. With warm weather and more hours of daylight, enjoying meals outside is a simple pleasure. Keeping staples on hand from which to assemble snacks and meals can reduce extra shopping trips, according to registered dietitian Courtney Romano, health advisor for the California Table Grape Commission. Healthy eating is always easier with foods that are convenient and able to work in multiple ways. Grapes from California are a great example of a fresh staple. They serve as both a healthy snack or simple side dish for any family meal, as well as a versatile ingredient. Add grapes to summer salads, grill some chicken and grape skewers, use grapes in frozen fruit pops, and more. Grapes from California are a natural source of antioxidants and other polyphenols, which research suggests contribute to heart health. For 300 ways to use this healthy fruit, visit grapesfromcalifornia.com. More than 3 million Americans can tell you that chronic migraine is a serious disease, and its symptoms can often be debilitating. Imagine living half the month or more with headaches and migraines lasting four hours a day or longer. Leading neurologist Dr. Jennifer McVig is partnering with Allergan, an AbbVie company, during Migraine and Headache Awareness Month this June to encourage those living with chronic migraine to see a healthcare provider for diagnosis and treatment. This month, we are raising awareness of chronic migraine and the importance of seeking treatment options such as Botox, onobotulinum toxin A. Botox is a prescription medicine for adults with chronic migraine 15 or more headache days a month, each lasting four hours or more. It is not approved for adults with migraine who have 14 or fewer headache days a month. Botox is the first FDA-approved preventive treatment for chronic migraine, which can help prevent a headache or migraine before it starts. Many of my chronic migraine patients have been treated with Botox, clinically proven to prevent an average of eight to nine headache days and migraine or probable migraine days a month versus six to seven for placebo. Effects of Botox may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness can be signs of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Side effects may include allergic reactions, neck and injection site pain, fatigue, and headache. Don't receive Botox if there's a skin infection. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor your medical history, muscle or nerve conditions, including ALS Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome, and medications including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. Talk to your doctor. Visit BotoxChronicMigraine.com or call 1-866-310-4649 to learn more. And that's Radio Health Journal for this week. 
Radio Health Journal is a production of MediaTrax Communications. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to learn more. And check Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify for a library of past programs. Plus, you'll always find previous segments and information about our guests at RadioHealthJournal.org. Join us again next week for another edition of Radio Health Journal. Coming up next week on Radio Health Journal. I think it's a lot easier for people to refrain from social interactions, but expecting people to stay silent when there is a justice that has been ongoing for so long, that's that's a bigger ask and a much more difficult ask. Demonstrations amid the pandemic. Then ultraviolet light and eyesight. The UV rays actually cause damage to tissues. And we've heard about how sun damages skin and the importance of sunscreen. The eye is no different. All that and more on Radio Health Journal.